Welcome to the Great American Collectible Show, seen Wednesdays on the Sports Collectors Daily Facebook page and the Great American Collectibles Facebook page. You can also listen to us on iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Spotify. The Great American Collectible Show is brought to you by the National Sports Collectors Convention and Sports Collectors Daily. Tonight's headlines are brought to you by Sports Collectors Daily. For all of your hobby news, features, and more, go to sportscollectorsdaily.com. And now your host, Tom Zappala. But welcome, 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 welcome. And Tom Zapp, I am traveling solo today. Well, we're not really solo. I'm solo at the studio. Rico is, I don't know what the hell, oh, Rico's playing golf. That's a golf day. And Mallory <laughs> called in sick. He's, I got this text from him, Zap. I have a stomach bug. I was up all night. I said, just stay home. Stay home. Anyway, welcome to the Great American Collectible Show, our new platforms. We are very excited about it. We've talked about it. Uh, you can now watch us on the Sports Collectors Daily Facebook page. Soon to be another huge platform, but we can't discuss it yet. Great American Collectibles Facebook page, Tom Zappler, and everybody shares it. iHeartRadio, Pandora, YouTube, all that stuff. Uh, we have a really good show today. Um, I'm very, very happy to, to uh, uh, these three guys are good guys. Mike Provenzal, our good friend from Heritage Auctions, Tom Ruggie from Destiny Wealth Management, and Michael Osaki, who we haven't spoken to in quite a while from Baseball in the Attic. We're going to talk about investments, investing your, how to invest your collection, and securing it uh, as time goes on. But first, our headlines. This is kind of like a plug for one of our good sponsors. <clears throat> Lifelong sports card and memorabilia collector Chuck Wisman has spent nearly three decades as an engineer and business consultant for numerous Fortune 500 companies. When his sports card and memorabilia collection became too much to have at home, he and his wife Stacy decided on to embark on two Herculean tasks. They decided to launch Wheatland Auction Services, which runs several events each year. But now they've launched VSM Sports Card Outlet, which has evolved into a state-of-the-art sports card shop in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. The store includes a box break section, thousands of hobby direct boxes, a grading and autograph submission center, a social media room, a vault room, a large selection of graded and ungraded cards and other memorabilia. Grading submissions are brought in daily with some customers consigning them to auction and others simply buying from their personal collections. You can read about it in Sports Collectors Daily, but the reason I'm using this as a headline is because I saw a picture, and we've had Chuck and Stacy on how many times? Zillion. I was blown away when I saw the picture of their card shop. I thought it was a little mom and pop, pop shop. It is a state-of-the-art card shop. I encourage you, if you're down in the Pennsylvania area, to stop by. And remember, you can read the rest of these great articles in sportscollectorsdaily.com, one of our main platforms. Rich Muller and the gang, they do a fantastic job at sportscollectorsdaily.com. All right, let's get right to it. Mike Prov, how have you been, brother? Very well, and yourself? And what's going on with Heritage Auctions? Um, already getting ready for the national, which we've been getting ready for several months. Uh, but yeah, I'm staying up till two in the morning every night, putting together marketing stuff and planning. Uh, looking forward to seeing everybody at the show. It's uh, my favorite week of the year. It is. We have a blast. And Tom, Tom Ruggi, you're going to be there, correct? I am going to be there. I'm excited uh, to attend for the second year in a row. And uh, 
looking forward to meeting a lot of people that I've developed relationships with uh, over the last year or two. And you're going to do some wheeling and dealing, I'm sure. I'll be looking for some uh, some of my hard-to-find items that I need, for sure. So you're going to be looking for signed cards, 50s, that's, tops? Yeah, that's that's primarily what I'll be looking for. All right, so those guys, uh, what's his name? Tom, uh, I can't remember Tom's last name. Massachusetts guy, he knows who he is. He's got a lot of them. Tom, what the heck is Tom's last name? I don't remember. Anyway, and Michael Osaki. I'll, I'll ping you for that and find out. Who <laughs> no, I, I will find out. And Mike, Michael Osaki from Baseball in the Attic. Michael is the memor- one, the key memorabilia authenticator for PSA, correct, Michael? I'm the lead appraiser for PSA and PSA DNA. And uh, you're going to be there? Yep, I'll have a booth, booth number 578. So... Uh, Come find me, say hello, introduce yourself. Happy to meet. Good. All right, let's get right to it, Tom. Before we get into talking about people's investments with Michael and uh, and Michael, the two Mikes, (laughs) tell us a little bit about your collection because your collection is just a mind blower. Well, um, my collection is is the main thing I focus on is is autographed cards. Um, I'm working on sixteen sets. Uh, I'm within about 10 cards, give or take on, on every set, which to, you know, the sets I'm working on is 52 tops. And by the way, look at the smile on Provenzal's face. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, uh, 53 Bowman. I I need two cards to complete the 53 Bowman and and my average rating, uh, PSA rating on the cards is, is over a five. So it's, it's an unbelievable set. So, uh, that's, that's where I focus a lot of time, what I'm looking for. I also uh, I like one of a kind items such as the item you were talking about pre-show, Tom. I've, I've got like a corked Pete Rose bat from his his the year he broke the record, which I think is a pretty cool thing. I've got uh, a signed Thurman Munson uh, the, the the form he had to sign to get the license he was trying to get signed the day that he died in the plane crash. Wow. But, you know, I, I love those unique one of a kind pieces. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I've got a number of uh, of fight worn. Uh, boxing shorts from Muhammad Ali, uh, four to be exact. And uh, I've, I've got a pretty good art collection also. Um, I've, got, I've got actually just acquired my 33rd original Dick Perez piece, uh, but I've, I've got a couple original Hollands and some other artists. So it's, it's, it's a pretty wide wide collection, uh, but uh, but at the same time, it's also very focused. Now, Tom, when you started collecting, um, you've been collecting signed cards for how long? Oh, gosh. I, I started getting signed cards when I was eight years old at spring training games in Florida. So the point, point being is Wait, that- A long time. <laughs> no, but the point being is at the time, that was really a no-no, correct? And now it's like it's like totally done 100 uh, and ten percent turnaround. I mean, it is very course, much. At demand. eight years old, I didn't. I didn't know it was a no-no. But uh, I used to get like programs signed, and then I had this huge baseball card collection. I was like, why don't I get the card signed? So that was maybe a little bit ahead of my time. Pro, what are you seeing on, 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 when it comes to signed cards? Are you guys seeing more and more of those, and are they becoming more and more valuable? Both, yes. Tom, way ahead of his time there. Um, you know, like you said, that was something that just people weren't getting done. And especially with the vintage cards, the fifties cards, they're just very rare in the last couple of years. We've seen a lot more coming out, uh, some big names, Mantle and Jackie and uh, Clemente from that fifties era, and they're getting huge prices. So I would imagine Tom's having to pay a lot more now than he was a few years ago for such things. 
I am. I was actually trying to buy the Jackie Robinson you had in your last auction, and uh, it, it it just got over over my head. For those guys, uh, I mean, any signed vintage card has really great value right now. But those top tier guys, the prices are just astronomical at this point. Uh, did you ever, Tom, have athletes when you asked to sign their card who told you that you shouldn't be doing this? Or no, uh, no, 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 never did. I did. I, I, I would. I was still going out and getting card signed like in my early 20s at spring training games and I, I had some athletes tell me aren't you a little bit old to be doing this <laughs> <laughs> Michael Osaki what about uh signed memorabilia is that I mean you're the guy that has your finger on the pulse there is that is that part of the hobby really exploding because it seems to be well the way that I kind of look at it is signed memorabilia versus like game used memorabilia. I've always I, felt I, I, like you're right. Game- Let's keep them separate. I'm talking about game used memorabilia. Yeah. That segment I've always felt is very undervalued and I can't figure it out. I thought with COVID things would start to um, kind of come in line, but you know, it's just game used memorabilia is so hard to find. and It's so undervalued. For example, in the 1950s, players, baseball players were only given four jerseys per year, two home and two road, and that was it. And then at the end of the season, they had to give those jerseys back to the club. So the players didn't keep them. And so sometimes um, those jerseys kind of slipped out the back door. So if you find one, you need to buy it. But like, you know, a Sandy Koufax gamer from the 50s is a lot, a lot of money. Um but it should be a lot more. You know, it's funny because uh, we, we've been joking about this with Rico. Um, I was able to, in a moment of weakness, I, I, I wound up purchasing, I haven't received it yet, a, a 1967 flannel game-used Rico Petroselli jersey signed by Rico. From, that's the year that they won you know, the Impossible Dream Team. And I asked Rico, I says, Rico, how did, I, how did this thing get out there? He says, it had to be one of the clubhouse guys that swiped it. Had to be. And, I mean, I think that's pretty much the way it used to work. I mean, you know, out the back door, you know. And just another funny story, Provin, you can, you got the three of you, Michael, you two can, can certainly appreciate this. We joke about it all the time. There is out there <laughs> a Babe Ruth signed baseball that is authenticated by PSA DNA and on the back panel of that ball it's also signed by Rico Petroselli (laughs) that's a catalog cover item right there a a fan walked up to Rico this is going back I mean this is probably five or six years ago at the national and said to Rico you are my favorite player he's a Boston guy please sign this and Rico looked at him like are you nuts? Are you nuts? This is Babe Ruth. He says, I don't care. Like, he decided, so Rico signed it. So there is a ball floating out there, signed by both Babe Ruth and Rico Petroselli. Absolutely. Why didn't, why didn't Rico squeeze his signature right under Ruth? So I, I, I think he was kind of embarrassed. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> uh, we had chatting with Mike Provenzal from Heritage, uh, Tom Ruggie from Destiny Wealth Management, and Michael Osaki. All right, let's get into some of the specifics. Um, Tom, 
let's get into what your company is all about, because that's why I asked Michael to be here. And obviously, Michael Saki ties in with this, too. Tell us about your company. Yes, I'm in the wealth management business and have been for over 30 years. Um, I, I, six years ago, I started a family office to work with, with high net worth individuals. And, and really, Tom, what's, what's progressed is effectively the intersection between the two passions I have. And, and I'm extremely passionate about my business and I'm very passionate about my collectibles. And so I've started creating content and working in circles with really other people like me, other people that have very strong collections and, uh, you know, would, would, would benefit from working with somebody that understands the collectible side in conjunction with the, the investment planning side, because I mean, make this, make no mistake about it. My collection is part of my investment portfolio, even though I don't have any desire or intention to sell it, but it certainly is. I mean, it's, it's 10, 15% easily of my net worth. And uh, I know being in the business that I'm in, I know I need help and I'm in the business. So I think there's a great market out there for other people that have high-end collections and, and want to integrate that collection into their overall wealth management and even estate planning that I think Michael will talk about a little bit. Um, you know, there's, there's a big need for the assistance that I could that I can provide somebody much like myself, Michael. Let's touch on that. Let's touch upon that, Michael Osaki. Can you add to what he's saying? Because I mean, you tie in beautifully with this. Yeah. So t- typically, people will call me and, and need my services for one of three objectives. One would be insurance. Two would be donation, like to the Baseball Hall of Fame, and they want a tax write off. The third is estate planning, and that's become bigger and bigger because in the last three years since COVID started, the values of all this stuff has gone way up. Now, yes, we're definitely down from its peak a year and a half ago, but we're still well well above pre-COVID levels. And I think the service that Tom provides is really interesting because there's a lot of wealth managers all over the country, but Tom is a collector, so he gets it. He understands this business. And so um, I think that's very unique um, and probably very hard, if not impossible, to find a collector that's you know an important big wealth manager. Um, but from my perspective, estate planning, uh, every week I get calls. You know, we're settling the estate, or our CPA or attorney needs an appraisal for the estate. Um, and and pre-COVID, it was really just insurance and donation, but estate planning is huge now. So, Prov, let's talk about your customer base. I mean, Heritage Auctions, you know, I mean, next to, I mean, with Sotheby's, the two biggest auction houses in the country, pretty much. So, your clientele is, in my opinion, the clientele that would deal with both Tom and Michael. I mean, you have private consignors that have enormously... Uh, uh, gigantic and uh, uh, valuable collections. Do you guys ever kind of like direct them or advise them uh, on their portfolios or their, their collections? Definitely. And I would say Tom is uniquely positioned being a collector. You know, at Heritage, we have over 50 departments. So we have experts in everything, you know, whatever you collect or have, we have a nerd who knows everything about it in this building 
And we talk to people every day who, you know, people, art is very established as an asset, coins too, but not many people think about sports, comics, things like that as valuable assets, even though they are. And a lot of people need that kind of direction to think of it more as an investment and not just their hobby. And we talk to people every day who their father, their grandfather has passed and they've inherited a collection and they know nothing about it. And those people get taken advantage of a lot by uh, some unsavory characters. So I'd say somebody like Tom who can advise knowing the investment side and what collectibles are worth is invaluable because there's a lot of people out there who need that kind of direction. Even people who have been involved for it for decades, it's impossible to know everything. So having somebody to advise on what's worthwhile, what isn't, what you should move on from, just like you would a stock, uh, is invaluable. And that's why I wanted to, uh, I asked Mike Prog to be on because I, I think that, you know, it is, there's a, there's some real symmetry here between the three of you and what you guys do and your clientele. But Tom, I want to, I want to ask an out of the box question. And I think I've asked you this before. Have you, I know you you have an investment company. Do you ever advise people on getting into uh, the hobby or collectibles as part of their portfolio? Do you do any advising there or do you stay away from that? No, I, I, I haven't done that. It's funny, Michael and I were talking about that just yesterday. Uh, um, I, I mean, I think my niche is people that are like me that, that already have a passion and, and are already involved in it. And, you know, the, the, the problem with providing advice is, is I think I would be a wealth of knowledge to somebody looking at specific areas that I have significant knowledge in. But, you know, if, if, if somebody wanted to diversify their portfolio and, and they were thinking about buying a, you know, a 2022 Panini LeBron James, that's not in my wheelhouse. So I, I couldn't really give advice on that. So, so the, the answer is, is yes, I would certainly be, be willing to give advice on areas that I have knowledge on, but, but in the scheme of things, that's maybe 10% of the sports collectibles market is where I think I have a deep knowledge. Interesting. Michael Osaki, how often do you have to break bad news to a, to a consigner or a customer where he walks in sky high. I've got this Babe Ruth gamer. I've got this Ty Cobb gamer and you have to look him in the eye and say, it's fake. Does that happen often? All the time, every day. Um, I always tell people my job is breaking hearts, delivering bad news. <laughs> I just got a call a couple of weeks ago. Um, this was um, an estate plan. I, I don't know. I guess it's like an estate planning company, but this person uh, died. And as part of his collection were 1914 and 1915 Cracker Jack baseball cards. Sure. And about seven of them were graded by PSA. 1914 Christy Mathewson, Joe wow. Jackson, Tycom. So right away I was skeptical, even though I didn't see pictures, but – but but the guy said these are authentic because they've been graded by PSA. So okay, fine. But then when I saw pictures, he sent me pictures, something was off immediately. The 
1914 Christy Matthews and Cracker Jack, which, as, as all of us know, that pose is very different from 1915. Yep. The, the holder was 1915, so it was labeled 1915 Cracker Jack, uh, Christy Matthewson. And then on the back, yeah, it says number of 144 cards. Again, that's, that's signifying 100, that signify 1914. Correct. Um, and then when I um, met the person and saw the collection that these seven PSA graded cards were, uh, the, the holders were frosted, someone broke them open and inserted inferior fake Cracker Jack cards in there. And so, again, a lot of times people think because something's been graded by PSA, it must be real. And most of the time, the vast majority of the time, that is correct. But Again, buyer beware. You have to be astute because something was definitely off. And then when I, you know, looked at the cards and touched them, it was bad. Unbelievable. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. We are chatting with Mike, Tom, and Mike. Pretty good. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Since 1996, Brian Drent and the staff at Denver's Mile High Card Company have led the charge in the collectibles hobby. Mile High is a full-service dealer specializing in buying and selling cards and offers a competitive consignment program for all collectors. Whether it be their computerized want list service, appraisals, or auction services, Mile High has it all. If you've been searching for a company with a selection of high-grade vintage 1888 to 1970 baseball cards and memorabilia that shares your passion, aim high, Mile High. Go to milehighcardco.com or call 303-840-2784 for more information. This is Brian Drent, president of Mile High Card Company. Is your sports card and memorabilia collection properly insured? For easily replaced personal property, homeowner's insurance is all most people need. But for prized possessions that you may have spent a lifetime collecting, it doesn't go nearly far enough. Collectibles Insurance Services has been insuring for over 50 years. They offer a full range of protection and a $0 deductible at an affordable rate with no appraisals required. I know because they insure my collection. If you have a minute, go to collectinsure.com and learn more about insuring your personal card or memorabilia collection. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. 
How would you like to own the bat that was used by your favorite player when he hit that towering home run or game-winning base hit? Now look no further than JT Sports, specializing in the sale and authentication of professional game-used bats. As the official authenticators of professional model game-used bats for PSA DNA, JT Sports will guarantee the authenticity of any bat purchased from them. JT Sports also buys and sells game-worn uniforms, gloves, and baseball equipment. The unique quality of the collectible is what JT Sports is all about. Give them a call at 609-487-8003 or check them out at GameUseBats.com. Okay, we are back, and we are chatting with Mike Provenzal from Heritage Auctions, Tom Rucci from Destiny Wealth Management, uh, and Michael Osaki from Baseball in the Attic. Hey, just a little program note. Uh, just want to remind everybody that on uh, the Friday of the National, uh, the Great American Collectible Show will be broadcasting from the Burkus stage from 1 to 3. And, Prov, I don't think you, I don't think you know this, but you may not have made the cut this year. Oh, well, I'll explain uh, why. Don't I'll tell ex- me Derek Grady took yeah, my Yeah, let me explain why. So what we're going to do is we've decided, uh, with Ray Schulte's help and the National, we're going to do a two-hour show, and it's going to be broadcast an hour each of the next two weeks uh, after the show. So we're, we're going to have a panel discussion over the two hours. So the first panel is going to consist of myself – Derek Grady from Heritage, um, Joe Thomas Sulo from Memory Lane, and Brian Drent from uh, Mile High Card Company. But then we're going to have a fifth mic open to bring in some certain guests. Like, for instance, as Tom's there, Tom will jump up on stage with us for a few minutes. Michael, all kidding aside, if you're there, you can jump up for five or six minutes just to kind of shoot the breeze with you guys. So that'll be the first hour. The second hour... It's going to be myself, Joe Orlando from Heritage Auctions, Mike Hefner from Leland's, and Brian Dwyer from REA Auctions. And then we have some other guests coming on, like Joe Drellick, uh, maybe Jimmy Spence from JSA. So it's going to be kind of a fun thing. Please stop by, watch the show. We got tons of giveaways, books, t shirts. Grady said he was going to spring for some cod packs and all that good stuff. So we hope to see you. All luminary. Impressive. Yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. All right. Uh, first of all, uh, you guys are all going to be at the National. Uh, Mike, uh, Tom, this is your second National, you said? It is. What do you think of it? What, what are your, what do you, what's your take on the National? Well, I, I mean, it was um, – <laughs> I spent three days walking through and I, I don't know that I hit every single booth. I mean, it, it was just amazing. The amount of materials that were there, the, the vibe was amazing. You know, I'm, I'm not into the, the opening breaking packs and, and yeah. new cards, but there was an incredible vibe there. People were just having a great time. And you, uh, you know, what's interesting. And Michael Osaki, you've been going for years and pro view too. It's just becoming overwhelming with the new technology that's coming into the the national. I mean, technology companies, startups, every every combination you can you can think of. Michael Saki, what do you think of that? I mean, is it is it isn't it true? It's just amazing how overwhelming it is. 
Well, and that makes sense because our hobby now is a true alternative asset class. And so you have technology companies that are creating technology to make our experience, our experiences better. Um, you know, obviously with fanatics growing inorganically by acquiring a lot of, com- you know, so there's just a lot of tailwinds, including technology that's going to make it all better. Um, and lastly, I should say, and Tom, you'll, you'll probably agree with me. There's been a lot of kids at the national in the last couple of years. And that to me is the most exciting thing of all, you know, I, and I agree with you a hundred percent and Tom and, uh, Pro, if you guys, uh, you know, trip in here. I agree with you, Michael. The only problem that I have is that I feel, and I think it's wonderful for the hobby, but don't get into the hobby for the wrong reasons. And I think for a, 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 a decent segment of that age group, and I'm talking about that millennial age group, it's more or less what's this card worth? I'm going to flip it. And I think you have to be careful there because I think it's important. I've been, you know, we've been preaching this for years that you really kind of understand the history of the game, the history of the hobby, so that you're not just flipping a Fernando Tatis card or an Otani card, but you understand what that 33 Gaudi Ruth is all about, or that, uh, or that T206 Sherry McGee Ericard is all about. Am I wrong here? I think you're right. Um, but, you know, a lot of these younger people were into crypto, and then they were trading and flipping cards. Um, obviously, you know, we, we need as a hobby to have these people stay in it long term, not just to flip and then leave after six months or 12 months especially if they buy these modern cards and get burned. Um, you know, vintage historically has performed very well. Um, modern is, you know, Tom, you and I have talked about it for years, as you were saying. It's um, it's way up and, and way down. And unfortunately, someone gets burned. They may leave the hobby permanently, and that's not what we want. Prof, what are your thoughts? From like an investment standpoint, there, you know, there's, there's the analogy of, of blue chip stocks, versus, you know, venture capital, if you will. And and the new stuff is venture capital, which there's, you know, there's potentially an awful lot more to gain, but there's also an awful lot more risk. You know, you buy that Tatis card for a significant amount of money and and he flames out and it's it's worth nothing. Where you buy the 33 Gaudi Ruth, that's a blue chip. You know, you're not going to get a thousand percent return on that real quick, but uh, I'd be pretty confident that 10 years down the road, it's still going to be worth significantly more then than it is today. Prov, let me ask you, in your auctions, I know you guys, especially you, you have your finger on the pulse as to your consumer. And I, you know, I see in the heritage auctions, I see more and more modern cars, which is good. Nothing wrong with that. Your demographic, without obviously sharing who the buyer is, is your demographic buyer for those modern cards, a younger demographic, or can you tell? Definitely the demographic has gotten a lot younger. And we've seen, you know, during the pandemic, so many new people came in, not just kids, which is great, but people in their 20s and 30s who are maybe stepping in for the first time or coming back in. You know, they gave it up when they went to college and got their first job, and now they're dipping their toes back in. 
And I would say if you come in and your only intention is to flip and make money, you're probably going to have a bad experience. There is a big learning curve out there. But if you come in to enjoy it and collect the things and athletes and teams that you like and want to make a little money, it's going to be a rewarding experience. I'm sure everybody on here knows the adage, collect what you love and you'll always be satisfied with what you have, regardless of the returns. Uh, and I think for the most part, these people who are coming in are doing that. You know, the great thing about our industry is, you know, there is an investment side to it and nobody grows up wanting to learn about stocks or real estate or pork belly futures. But, you know, whether you're into sports or comics, that can give you a leg up in understanding the industry, just knowing who's important, who's valuable, what moments are important. So you have a unique advantage if you want to invest in this industry, but nothing is guaranteed. Uh, and especially on the modern side, you know, Babe Ruth isn't going to have a misstep or have a bad season or get an industry an injury. Ty Cobb isn't going to have a drunk driving incident. You know, those things are set in stone, their careers, their legacies, and you never know. Uh, I mean, look at Tiger Woods. He was way up. He was way down. He's back up. You know, if you're collecting on the modern side, there is a huge element of risk. So make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Michael Osaki, have you seen a bump in modern memorabilia yourself? A little bit, yes, um, and it, it's kind of it's kind of wonky because the ebbs and flows are are fairly large. Um, long term, it's hard for me to discern, you know, what's going to happen with modern memorabilia. Um, I, I think some of these people that collect modern memorabilia are are quite frankly just in it for the money, um, and so I don't know how that's going to pan out, but. Um, I guess the the we'll have to wait and see there. What's hot and what's not in memorabilia? Bats, balls, game news, jerseys. What's what's hot? hot? Paper, contracts, tickets. What's hot right now? Well, tickets is interesting. Full tickets and ticket stubs. That's been on the rise for a couple of years now. Uh, not just vintage, but modern, uh, modern too. In fact, I just saw yesterday on a Facebook group I'm in. Um, that, that new hot shot for the Reds, Ellie De La Cruz, yeah. um, when he, he, he hit the cycle a couple of days ago. So someone was selling, uh, that ticket stub from that game for a hundred bucks. <laughs> it, you, you know, like, you know, I have no idea if this kid is going to be the next, you know, Babe Ruth or the next, you know, John Doe, but someone was selling it for a hundred bucks. Prov, what are you seeing? What's hot? What's not? Game-worn stuff is doing very well and bats, vintage and modern. You know, there's no huge prices for the modern stuff yet. But, um, you know, people, that's how people get involved. They collect who they like. You know, when I started collecting in the 90s, I was collecting Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith. Nothing I own is going to break the bank and I'm not going to be able to put my kids through college with it. But I love it. Uh, the great thing about the modern game-worn side is the leagues are doing a lot better job of authenticating uh, themselves, which is making it a lot easier for collectors. You can look it up online, what game it was used for, and feel a lot more comfortable because, uh, you know, a lot of people get in on cards and game-worn, game-used stuff. There's a very steep learning curve there, especially on the vintage stuff, and you have to be very careful. But I think if you're collecting on the modern side, uh, there's a little little more element of the leagues taking care of making sure what gets out there is authentic. 
We are chatting with Mike Prove from Heritage, Tom Rushi from Destiny Family Wealth, and Michael Osaki from Baseball in the Attic. Let's talk about third-party grading for, for a few minutes. Now, many people know we have uh, amicably parted ways uh, from PSA's Facebook page. Mutual agreement um, by design because we feel that it's important to be on neutral platforms so that when we talk and we talk about the hobby, we're talking neutral platforms. And that's why we, we chose Sports Collectors Daily and uh, another huge neutral platform, uh, hopefully to be announced after the national. With that being said, um, I'm going to ask Michael Osaki this. Michael, you are the lead authenticator for PSA. PSA is hands down number one in the hobby. Then you've got companies like uh, SGC, you've got JSA coming up also. What about, it seems to be an influx of other third-party grading companies that are popping up all over the place. What are your thoughts on that? Are these like one-shot deals? Are they around to stay? What are your thoughts on that, Michael? We've been seeing this for that for decades, for the last 20 years. I can't tell you how many three-letter companies you know, that that have come and gone and their main um, um, differentiator is price. They'll say, okay, for 10 bucks and we'll have a quick turnaround time. Right. Well, well, the reason why they can do a a two day turnaround time is, is that they have zero business coming in, right? Like literally zero. And so um, a lot of those companies are going to come and go. What was interesting, we saw several of them pop up in 2020 and 2021, as the, the pandemic started and the PSA and SGCs were getting hit with backlogs. And so these new companies came in and said, wow, don't send it to PSA or SGC or Beckett. Send it to us. We'll do a five-day turnaround time. It's 10, it's 10 bucks." But then as the backlog started to clear and uh, people started resuming sending everything to PSA and SGC and Beckett, those pop-up companies have gone bye-bye and they're basically out of business. Tom, what are your thoughts? You know, I I have a a love-hate relationship with PSA. Um, Well, I think everybody does because it can, (laughs) it can be frustrating, but it is, it is, but, but I, but I mean, my preference would be for certainly on my card collection, my preference would be for all of my cards to be PSA authenticated. Totally agree. they, They, they make it, they do make it very difficult to want to continue to work with them, even though that's, that's the desire that I have. Prof. Uh, in this industry, as in life, reputation is what's most important and who you can trust. And that takes time. Um, you know, PSA, SGC and Beckett are the three grading companies we use. They have long storied histories. They're very reliable. Um, we always keep an eye on these new companies that pop up, but I would agree with Michael. It can be very dangerous, uh, you know, and very risky in who you trust. And, you know, the same with us. We've been around since 1976. We take our reputation very seriously. Our name is our most important asset. And I know those three companies, it's the same. So they can be trusted. And you've got to be careful if you're going with someone that's new. You know, I, I think uh, I agree with all three of you. You guys are, are, are dead on. Um, what What are your thoughts, though, on 
what's happened in the industry. <clears throat> it's almost like a, a hierarchy uh, uh, is being established with fanatics at the top of the heap, followed by maybe Panini, Tops. It's kind of like a trickle-down effect. Is, is this going in the wrong direction as far as the hobby and one company controlling the hobby? Is that going to happen? Michael, I'm going to start with you first, Michael Osaki. Well, generally speaking, in this country, I don't think monopolies are good. However, in this particular case with Fanatics, I think it's going to be good because since the history of the hobby, there's really been zero marketing dollars spent, really, on, on a massive scale. And so what we're going to start to see in the next 12 to 18 months Someone in Jacksonville is going to be watching the Jacksonville Jaguars game, and there's going to be a commercial for Fanatics saying, "Don't forget, next month, but you know, come, you know, buy your 2024 football card. It's coming to your local card shop." When you're watching the Super Bowl, when you're watching the World Series, you're going to see commercials by Fanatics propping up the hobby, and I think that's going to be wonderful. Tom, well, I, I think it's just um, you know the, the signs of a maturing industry. You know, when you're when you're seeing big players coming in and spending a lot of money, investing a lot of money. I've, I've seen a lot of private equity deals happening within the industry. And, and so I, I think, I think overall it's a, it's a great thing because it's putting a, a fantastic industry more on a, a, a national map. And, and I think that's going to help us long-term. Prof. I agree. Um, you know, I love seeing stories about the industry on, Sports Center and in Sports Illustrated and on the mainstream news. And I think that's going to happen a lot more. And there is some consolidation at the top, which can be troubling. But ultimately, it's the members of the industry who are going to decide with their money what's successful, what they're interested in. And just because you're the biggest doesn't necessarily mean you're the best. You still have to perform. And I think there's a lot of great options out there. And uh, we'll see what happens. But yes, putting our industry in the public light and in the mainstream is going to be good for every corner of the industry. We've got about a minute left. My personal thoughts, and I kind of agree with what you guys are saying. My only concern is, you know, you see uh, Fanatics uh, purchasing PWCC. You see, from what I heard, PSA making a bid for PWCC. You know, some rumors, and I'm not saying anything substantiated, but Fanatics possibly making a bid for PSA. You know, there's all of this little trickle-down stuff that's, that's rumor, whatever you want to call it. I guess if, if they keep the integrity of the hobby intact, it can all, all be good. I think that's probably the bottom line. Agreed? Absolutely. That, that intrigue adds to the excitement and the interest and brings more people in. When you look at uh, major corporations and stocks, when yeah. there's a big story and everybody's talking about it on the major news, uh, that helps those players. And that can happen for our industry, too. If uh, acquisitions and things are breaking through to the mainstream media, ultimately, that's going to be good for everyone from the big auction houses to the small mom and pop collector shops. Awesome. Uh, 
All right, we're going to take with- we're going to take a quick break. Uh, we've got one more segment with Mike Prov, with Tom Ritchie, and with Michael Osaki. Hang in there. We'll be right back. Pristine Auction is a family-owned and operated online auction specializing in autographed memorabilia, sports cards, coins, art, and collectibles. Since their founding in 2010, they've grown to two facilities in Phoenix, Arizona, totaling over 60,000 square feet. Jared Cavalier and an incredible staff of over 150 team members serve a very large customer base and enjoy every minute of it. By working with leading authentication companies, Pristine ensures all items are 100% authentic. In addition, third-party authenticators regularly travel to Pristine Auction to provide authentication services on-site. Pristine Auction strives to operate its business in a way that's honoring to God, their families, and their customers. With a strong focus on speed, quality, and premier customer service, their mission is to be the leading online auction for every level of collector and fan. Pristine also works for Hope Sports and Identity Hoops International, traveling to Mexico to build houses for the less fortunate. Pristine Auction offers several online auction formats with thousands of auctions ending each day. For more information, go to pristineauction.com. That's Pristine Auction, the best in the business. If you're a discerning collector interested in owning the most important pieces in the hobby, look no further than Leland's Auctions. The original sports auction and appraisal house, Leland's was established in 1985 by legendary pioneer founder Joshua Leland Evans. And today, President Mike Hefner carries on the tradition. From the Tom Brady card and memorabilia collection, to the famed Boston Garden auction, to high-end card auctions from every major sport, Leland's has always maintained the highest standards. Go to Leland's.com and get your bid in. That's Leland's the hobby's leading sports auction house for four decades. It's often been said that championships are won on the practice field and world records come only to those willing to work harder than everybody else. Heritage Auctions is the world's largest collectibles auctioneer because we believe that becoming the best is only an invitation to the challenge of remaining the best. This requires the skills of the hobby's top experts capable of identifying and maximizing value for our consigners. It requires the most visited website in the industry, courting a global audience of collectors over a million and a half strong. It requires a dedicated press department that expands our global reach far beyond the entrenched hobby marketplace. It's hard work, but a simple premise. Present the finest collectibles to the largest population of potential buyers, and world records will come. We invite all listeners to put the unmatched power of Heritage Auctions to work for you. Auction evaluations are always free, and our commission-based fee structure ensures that our interests are always aligned, the highest possible price for your collectibles. There will always be new world records to chase, so let's chase them together. Visit our website at ha.com and request your no-obligation review today. Hi, this is Dan from Memory Lane Auctions here to remind you that the renowned Memory Lane Collectibles Company has served as a beacon of light to the collecting community for the past several decades. Indeed, folks, it has been our utmost privilege and pleasure to provide the most enthusiastic collectors with an abundance of the finest sports cards and memorabilia for America's most coveted sports personalities via our world-class auctions. Whether you choose either a private sale transaction or the auction route, Memory Lane cordially invites you to reach out to us to maximize the value of your prized possessions. 
Also, it is not just sales that we pride ourselves on being the best of the rest, because if you are seeking a particular keepsake for your esteemed gathering, we will be relentless in our quest to find that special piece to fulfill your collecting dreams. So no time to wait. Reach out to us today for the purposes of capitalizing on our unparalleled marketing capabilities. Simply pick up the phone and dial 877-606-5263. That's 877-606-LANE. Or find us on the World Wide Web at www.memorylaneinc.com. Now is the time for your valued consignment to ultimately become another one of Memory Lane's record-setting prices. Hey, I'm Mike Petroselli. If your company is looking for the best in marketing and promotional items, you'll hit a home run with Petroselli Marketing. With over 8,000 suppliers and 650,000 imprint-ready items, we can get your company the visibility it needs to get your maximum exposure. Whether it be office promotions, wearables, automotive, sports items, and everything in between, Petroselli Marketing can do it all. Our design staff will even work with you from concept to delivery and customize your products. At Petroselli Marketing Group, we will get your brand in front of your audience. Contact us at info at PetroselliMKT.com or call us at 603-880-3202. That's Petroselli Marketing, where no dream is impossible. So how does your company promote your organization? Imprinted Products keeps your brand in front of your customers more than any other form of advertising. For the best on-time service and new ideas for your next project, give Petroselli Marketing Group a call at 1-800-264-4294 or email us at MP, that's Michael Petroselli, MP at PetroselliMarketing.com. You know something, Prov, don't be so cheap. You guys, you know, why don't you invest in some nice heritage auction pens from Petroselli Marketing Group instead of those cheap Let's things? Got a deal. Know. Can we put like my face on there? Absolutely. With Rico, you can do anything. You know that, right? <laughs> All right. Listen, uh, Tom, we've got a few. We've got uh, we've got about eight or, eight or nine minutes left. Um, high assets, high asset collections. What about the guy? Tom Ruggie that doesn't have a $2 million collection, but has a $300,000 collection. Does he fall into the Ruggie wealth wheelhouse if possible? Yeah, he does. I mean, the, you know, our, our foundation is, is a, a, you know, traditional wealth management firm. So, you know, to, to put it in perspective, we we manage about six hundred million dollars for about nine hundred households on the, the personal wealth management side. So, you know, you're looking at an average average investment client net worth of seven hundred thousand. But then the family office, which is where I focus my time on, we have thirteen families that that I work with there. And we manage about 400 million just with those 13 families. So there's a there's a big distinction between the two. But our our firm is is you know our bread and butter clients are the types of people you know that, that have that type of a client. All right. So so if I have uh, a portfolio of investments worth a million dollars, two million dollars, and I have a collection 
that's worth $150,000 or $200,000, that goes into the first kind of segment of your business, uh, not, yes. not right? Which, yes, which is fine. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, um, yeah, I, I start. I started uh, from scratch. You know, I, I grew up relatively, relatively poor, and I still remember, uh, you know, mowing a lawn and, and literally looking. Do you remember the old baseball card magazine that came out like in the early '80s? Oh, sure. But, but I, I remember looking at that and saying, "Hey, I've got thirteen dollars. What rookie card do I want to buy? Is it going to be the '68 bench, or is it going to be, you know, the '83 Boggs, or or whatever?" So, you know, we we all start from somewhere and. And our practice is really built around, um, you know, providing a service to people that will uh, appreciate but also benefit from what we do. You know, uh, growing up as a kid in the 50s uh, and when I was collecting cards in the late 50s, early 60s, <clears throat> you know, they call it card flipping. In Massachusetts, we used to call it scalers because it was a little different game where instead of flipping cards, you would you would you know, f- snap your wrist against the wall. Yeah. And if, you know, I, I think you know the game. And I used yeah. to wipe everybody out. I used to wipe everybody out. And Grady took me to task last year at the National because he was questioning my uh, my ability to scale cards. And from Is that the, how you did that $2 million portfolio you were just talking from about? From the stage, baby, I was flipping packs right into people's hands without taking their eyes out. And, and Grady did apologize to me. I'm just telling you. Oh, that's a rarity. I, I, I actually, uh, I look forward to seeing that, Tom. I want to see the skill. I, I, am, I am so good at it. It scares me, to be quite honest with you. Hey, Mike, Michael Osaki, let's talk about, do you have a private collection yourself? What do you kind of specialize in? Uh, vintage. I like uh, the, the Cracker Jack uh, cards from 1914 and 1915 and 33 Gaudi. Very, very, very good. We were just Classic. asked to, uh, there's a new book coming out on the Cracker Jack collection. Slash, I think Michael, wait a I think he spoke to you. I think you're in, your name is mentioned in there. Uh, I can't remember his name, the gentleman's name. You know what I'm talking about? No, it, you know, it's possible. I don't, so f- for whatever reason, in 2017, Forbes magazine named me the dean of Cracker Jack baseball, <laughs> and I I do know a lot. And every week people call me or email me about this set and these cards. Um, uh, I I don't think though I'm in this book. Well, you are. Book. Trust me. Uh, I just uh, we just read the man. It was the manuscript was sent to Ellen and I to kind of peruse and maybe do a little editing, make a comment. And you are in there. He quotes you uh, a couple of times in the book. And they better reference it. It, No, it's all it's all referenced. It's all it's all footnoted. Um, so it's it's actually going to be a pretty good book. But uh, so is Cracker Jack your specialty? Yeah, I would say yes. I just love it. I love how they only came out in two years. I love the color, but the, that red color it was like Beautiful. it was made yesterday. It's just so vibrant, and there's some amazing players. In both of those sets. You know, when Ellen and I wrote the book uh, along with JM, I don't know how many years ago, probably 10 or 11 years ago, um, we were very, very uh, honored. There was a woman, her name was Harriet Joyce. Does the name ring a bell, Mike? Harriet Joyce was the foremost Cracker Jack prize collector in the country. She lived in northern Florida, and her home was like a museum. So she invited us into her home with our photographer, 
uh, and we were able to f- take images of whatever. She had stuff, Michael, that you would not believe. She had original Cracker Jack boxes, maybe a half a dozen of them. She had uh, uh, a 1914 pristine Cracker Jack cards, un- ungraded. Just, I mean, every, every single Cracker Jack prize, I think, that ever came out. Just an amazing, amazing collection. And another good, uh, another big Cracker Jack collection is uh, Andy Montero. Do you know Andy? Yeah. Yeah, Andy's got a pretty good collection himself. Yeah, and, you know, the, the um, <clears throat> Cracker Jack Collectors Association still has their annual uh, get-together. Y- years ago, they invited me in to speak. And it was amazing because after that, at nighttime, you'd like walk hotel room to hotel room. Absolutely, yes. We were there. We, we, we did the same thing. We, uh, we spoke there. They were such gracious people, too. And you go from hotel room to hotel room. People are trading and bartering. And, yeah, it was great. It was in Philadelphia, I believe, at the time. That's where we were. I think it was in Philly. But we had a lot of fun. Michael, and you, game, gamers, game used? Michael, uh, Mike Prof. I got to ask Michael, where does Cracker Jack rank on your all-time snack list? Ooh. The actual snack. Is that in your top five? Unfortunately not. I'm sorry. <laughs> I find that's pretty common. It's good, but it can't crack anybody's top five. I can't disagree with you more. I think a Cracker Jack, a really good box of Cracker Jacks. Forget the peanuts. The Cracker Jack itself, man. You know, every once in a while, it's like hits the spot. Does hit the spot every once in a while. That's not making it in your top well. I mean, five. it's yeah. I mean, it's not going to be like my Milky Way, but whatever. Um, so, Mike, Mike, uh, Mike Pro, what is your what's your go to collection? Uh, I've got a lot of autographs, a lot of uh, Cowboys stuff. Uh, my most prized possession is a Roger Staubach autograph, which, as I said, is not going to help me retire. Uh, but I've gotten really into photography recently, uh, sports photography. Uh, which unfortunately for me, but good for heritage, the prices have been going up on that. A lot more people, uh, getting into that industry, but I love the, uh, vintage photography. So that's what I've been doing the last five to six years. So, you know, Tom Roger, obviously that we asked Mike Prove to be on with us. I think there's a marriage here between your company and heritage as, as far as, you know, uh, helping each other out, because I think you guys, as I said, your, 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 your customer base is you're both in the same wheelhouse, obviously, Michael Osaki, too. So you guys need to chat uh, down the road, maybe at the National. I'll, I'll hook you guys up. You buy yeah, me, we'll definitely. Yeah, you, you each buy me a hot dog. Just buy me a hot Happy dog. Happy to do it. Our uh, heritage, our most important tenet is to give collectors as much information as possible so they can make educated decisions. And we're always happy to uh, point them in the direction of quality people with the right information to help them out. Absolutely. Guys, uh, it's and, been- and I'm a Cowboys fan, Mike. I like to hear that. Good American right there. We're born and raised Cowboys fan, even though I'm you know, born and raised in Florida. My condolences to both of you. Uh, <laughs> uh, with that being said, <laughs> let me tell you something. I'm just I'm going I'm I'm to make a public statement right now before we leave. Do not underestimate the New England Patriots this year. That's all I'm saying. That's all. Don't worry. tired of the Patriots by now. Just don't underestimate them. With that being said, guys, uh, I can't thank you enough. This was very, very informative. Love having the three of you on. Michael Saki, you were in the old studio with us, remember? 
Oh, I remember. That was yes. quite a while ago. Now we a have new digs. Ago. We love it. And uh, it's great. If you guys are ever in this area, you know that. You have open invitation to sit in with us on a show. With that being said, Mike Pra from Heritage, Tom Ridge from Family Destiny Wealth, and Michael Osaki from Baseball in the Attic. Thank you guys so much. See you guys at the National. And to our viewers and listeners, the support has been absolutely overwhelming. We're shocked. We love it. And with that being said, happy collecting. Thanks for having us. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.